This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. My name is Stephen. For those of you that don't know me, And uh, I'm excited this morning to be able to bring God's Word to you, to share uh, what the Holy Spirit has put on my heart. Um, You know, to be honest, any time that I get to share God's Word is welcomed by me. So So whenever you put a microphone in front of me in an audience, it's like putting gasoline on a fire for me. So thank you this morning for this opportunity to do this. Well, today, is, as we all know, this is Labor Day weekend. Uh, you don't need me to announce it from the pulpit. Uh, as Americans, this is a, a weekend that is looked forward to and celebrated. As Americans, we love the fact that we get a day off of our work, off of our daily grind, off of our jobs to do whatever we want to do. And there's a lot of freedom in that. We celebrate that. And if you were to come over to my house... Usually we celebrate that by doing work. But it's the work that I want to do. That's where the freedom is. Like I said, there's a lot of freedom in that. And although Labor Day is not a a Christian holiday, it's just a holiday that the government gave to give us a day off, um, there are aspects of it. The whole idea of resting from our work, our toil, our daily grind, um, that, those aspects, I think, are translatable to a, to a Sunday morning service on, on a Labor Day weekend in 2023 at Coopersville Reformed Church. Well, if you haven't picked up on it by now from the slides behind me or the, the bulletin, I'm going to be talking today about Jesus being the bread of life. And uh, if, if you haven't yet, it's in, uh, why don't you pick up your Bible and, and turn to there right now. It's in John 6, verse 22 through 59. And if you haven't brought your Bible, I encourage you to, to grab the one in the pew with you um, or in the seat underneath you. Because um, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will use God's Word to transform your mind, to transform you into the image of Christ. And the more that we can spend looking at His Word, listening to His Word, I think the more opportunities for the Holy Spirit to speak into us. So like I said, it's in John 6, verse 22 through 59. And if you're using these pew Bibles, um, it's on page 6 or 865. Um, Please have that out. So the context of of our scripture that we're looking at today, it is a rather lengthy uh, section of scripture. The context of that is right after Jesus had fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fish. And he gives thanks for it. And after they're fed, the people want to make him king and he slips away to a mountainside and he dismisses the disciples to go across the Sea of Galilee without him. They make it about halfway with their own efforts. The wind and the waves become so strong. And then Jesus comes out on the water. He walks out. 
and they receive him into the boat, and then everything's all calm. And that's where we find us in verse 22. Like I said, this is a little bit long, so don't stand up for the reading of the word today. It might, might take a little bit. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. And some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus, he answers, he says, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils, the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Well, then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus, he answers, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. So now they ask him, well, what sign will you give us so that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written. He, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Well, Jesus, he says to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, you always give us this bread. Jesus then declares, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me and you still don't believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he's given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Well, at this the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I'm the bread of light that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say he came down from heaven? And Jesus, he answers, he says, stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them, and I'll raise them up at the last day. It's written in the prophets, they will be all taught by God. Everyone who heard the father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who's from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors, they ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. They said, how can this man give his flesh for us to eat? Jesus, he answers them. He says, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. 
Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one that feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and they died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. That was a long section of scripture. There's a lot of meat in that. Um, I think I could probably teach a whole sermon series on this dialogue. But today, I want to focus on a few key themes. I want to narrow in on, on some threads that are in here that are found throughout the whole tapestry of Scripture. But this section is also, it's kind of confusing. There are people that are looking for Jesus, and when they finally find him, like he corrects them, almost rebukes them for looking for him. And then he starts talking about bread, manna, Moses, eating his flesh, and about the will of God. You know, I think sometimes we can be confused when we don't take a look at the whole context. And in and, and that, that confusion can come sometimes from when we just look at chapter and verse or the, the little headings before each paragraph. But I think sometimes, too, unknowingly or accidentally, we, we kind of almost think of Jesus as like, like some guru who would just say wise sayings out of the top of his mind as they come to him. I know we don't, we don't think that literally, but um, I think there's times where we don't take the time to ask ourselves, or better yet, ask the Holy Spirit, why is Jesus saying what he's saying and when? For example, Jesus, he calls himself the bread of life. And for most of us that have grown up in the church, we know that this is one of his I am statements. And we know that in the book of John, there's six more of them. Um, and if we've been around the church, if we've listened to this before, we've gotten, we've gotten a grasp that Jesus means that just like bread, um, he's what we need in order to have eternal life, right? But... But let's, idea this, let's explore this idea of the bread of life a little bit deeper. Because I don't think that it's Jesus just saying some wise saying as it comes to his mind. But I think it's very pointed at his audience that he's speaking to. He's speaking in a synagogue to Jews who have who memorized the Torah. They hear that all the time. And so before he talks about the bread of life, he talks about a bread that leads to death. Did you know that there's a bread that leads to death in the Bible? It's, it's an old bread. And these Jews that are listening to him, they would know exactly what he's talking about. That bread, that bread's in Genesis way back in the beginning, Genesis 3. This is right after, after Adam and Eve have eaten the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. And God is talking with them. And he tells Eve that her labor pains are going to intensify. But this is what he says to Adam. He says, curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It'll produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food 
until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Now, in our NIV's Bibles, it says food in there. You're going to work for your food, but in the end you'll die. But in many other translations, that word food is not used. It's the word bread. And they, they use that word, bread or food, because it's the same word in Hebrew. That word is lechem, kind of like Bethlehem or Bethlehem, which means bread, house of bread. It's kind of interesting that Jesus, the bread of life, was born in the house of bread. Another interesting thing about that lechem word is that it, the root for that also is the same root for war or to battle. But God is saying, you're going to work for your food as a result of sin. This is your new operating system. This is your new nature as sinful people. You're going to work. You're going to toil by the sweat of your brow. You're going to labor for what you need to live, your food. But in the end, you're still going to die. That's what God is saying. Have any of you made bread before? I know right now we're quite fortunate to uh, be able to go to the store and pick up a loaf and it's already sliced. Or maybe you're even more fortunate and you stop over at a friend Sylvia's house and she gives you two loaves. But uh, have any of you made bread before? It's, it's a lot of work. You think about what goes into it. First, you have to clear a field, and then you have to plow it and plant it. And then, and then if the weeds don't take over, your wheat grows, and then you get to harvest it. And then it's, you've got wheat, and you've got the chaff, and there's the grain in there, and you've got to separate the grain from the chaff. And they used to, they used to use a winnowing fork to do that. And then you finally get the grain, but that's not wheat. Then you have to grind it on a millstone. That's where we get the daily grind you have to grind it on a millstone, and that gives you flour. But flour is not the same as bread. And so then you gotta, you got to mix it with other ingredients. I'm not a baker, but I think yeast and water go into there. And then you bake it, and then you got bread, and you got to eat it soon because it'll spoil in a couple of days. There's a lot of work that goes into bread, into what we need to live. And, and God is saying that you're going to work for your bread and you will still die. Now that's the physical part of it, but it's also spiritual. The thing that we need in order to live eternally, the righteousness that we need in order to live eternally, we, as a result of being sinful people, will try through our own efforts, our labor, our toil, in order to, re to receive that, in order to get that. And in the end, we will still die because those efforts are only in vain. We can never be righteous through our works. And the Jews in this story, they were not exempt from that curse. They fall into it too. They had relied on the law and their works to become righteous before God, to have what they needed. And Jesus is reminding them not to eat the bread of that leads to death, but to eat the bread that leads to eternal life. So Jesus is moving from works to believing, but the Jews in our story, 
They don't want to give up their works. They're very prideful about their works. And they say, well, what, what are you going to do for us? We, our ancestors, we ate the manna in the wilderness. And Jesus responds to them quite uh, strategically in a way that they will understand. And I think it's not just some wise saying that he says, but to somebody in a synagogue back then, to a Jew in a synagogue that has memorized the first five books of the Bible, they know exactly what he's talking about when Jesus answers, it's not Moses that gave you the bread from, the, from heaven, but it's God who gave you the bread of heaven. For us, it sounds like a simple correction. But I think they are reminded of something. Because they've, they've memorized the first five books, like I said, and in those books, the fifth one is the book of Deuteronomy. And that's where Moses is reminding them. Reminding them of all the covenants that they had with the Lord. All the things in the wilderness that they've endured. And he starts talking about manna. Moses talks about manna in Deuteronomy 8. In verse 3, God reminds the Israelites through Moses that he gave them the manna that they, that they need to live by. He gave them that so that they would learn not to live by bread alone, by their works alone, by lechem alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, that comes from God. That's where that source of life is. God is reminding them, this is not done by your works. This is done by, as a gift from God. This is where you get your life, your food, your lachem. And then a few sentences later in Deuteronomy, God reminds Israelites that when they enter the promised land and then they've eaten their fill, that they'll become proud and forget the Lord who gave them the manna. And they'll think that their power and their strength produce the wealth that they have, but God reminds them that he gives them those abilities they can't get those by their own works. Those are a gift from the Lord. When they've eaten their fill, it sounds, sounds kind of like what Jesus was talking about when, when he met up with those Jews that, that seen him. He says, you've seen the signs, but you're looking for me because you've, you've eaten your fill. Let's talk about eating a little bit. You know, Eating, if you think about it, the food that is outside of us that we need to live, we're trying to put into our body and we depend on it to give us the, the strength that we need. We're taking something from outside and putting it inside and we're depending on that to give us our life, right? And in the Bible, there's two different kinds of eating. There's the first eating where we take it, we grab it, and we put it into our mouths. And this is, this is based off of our natural, sinful operating system of wanting to do works. We are the ones that are taking it, and we are putting it in our mouth. Think about this. Think about the first sin, right? Right? What did Adam and Eve do? They took 
from the tree which they were not supposed to take from, and they ate that. They depended on that works. So that's one way. But there's another way of eating in the Bible, and that's God's way of eating. God's way, the kingdom way, Christ's way, is a little bit different. Christ's way is when we receive from God, the provider, we give thanks to him for providing, and we receive that into our bodies. And in faith, we, we give thanks for what he has given when we depend on, we depend on what he has given. And it's so cool, right before this, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, it's like he's giving this example of how we eat. Because he asks Philip, he tests Philip, he says, where are we going to get enough bread? Where are we going to buy enough bread for all these people? As if, as if their works, as if they, they had the ability on their own to buy it, right? What a test. But how is it that it's actually done? Jesus receives the bread, and then he gives thanks to the Father for it, and then he distributes it to everyone else so that they may receive it. Just look at how John, the Apostle John, describes it. Oh, geez, I lost my page. Uh, in verse 23, I think I've even got it memorized. Verse 23, um, it says this. It says, then some of uh, the boats landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. John didn't say this is the place where he fed the 5,000. He, he, he noted that that's the place where the Lord had given thanks. That's pretty cool. So those are the two different types of eating. But this also translates spiritually as well. This is not just physical food, but this is eating for eternal life. So we have the one way, which is when we, when we eat and take according to our own works. And those efforts, our own works efforts, will end up in vain. That's the bread that leads to death, right? I think I've touched on that enough. But think about, think about spiritually eating Christ. Because Jesus says to eat the bread of life. So when we eat spiritually, we receive from God what he has given into ourselves, and we depend on that. Jesus says that he came down from God, that he is the gift from God. He is the manna. And so when we receive him, not according to our own works, and we put him into us through belief, through depending on him, then we don't have the bread that leads to death, we have the bread that leads to eternal life. Jesus, he says, I am the bread of life. And we can eat Christ. We can eat the bread of life by believing, by receiving, by depending on him. It's not any of our own works. Well, there's one other thing that I want to, to touch on before I start landing our plane. And this is whole idea that Jesus, he says, I am the bread of life. You know, the Jews in this story, after Jesus had fed the 5,000, they tried to take him and make him king. And Jesus slips away. 
And when they find him, um, Jesus, he says, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you've eaten the loaves and you've had your fill. Right? They wanted Jesus that, that will do miracles for them, that they can, they can manage on their own. And Jesus, he does not just say some wise saying, but he says something that's very targeted to the audience that has, is before him. He says, I am the bread of life. He doesn't say, just eat the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. And to that crowd, the crowd that has memorized the Pentateuch, the crowd that's in the synagogue in Capernaum, who knows all of the Old Testament, right? They hear, I am, and their minds go back to when God revealed his name. They, they know right away that I am means divinity. But think about when God says his name in Exodus 3, 14. He says, I am who I am. You see, when, when these Jews were, were talking with Jesus, they wanted to make him into what they wanted him to be. And Jesus says, no, 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 I am. I am who I am. I'm not who you make me up to be. They tried to make him king on their own time with their own works. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life, not who you would make me to be. You ever read about, about God and just read about the parts that you like? In Exodus, God reveals his name and it talks about his, his faithfulness and his goodness and his compassion, his mercy and his forgiveness. Do you sometimes not talk about like his wrath or his hatred against sin or his judgments? But God says, I am who I am. You have the whole package, not just the parts that through our own works we can pick out and choose what we like. Jesus, he says, I am the bread of life not who we would make him to be. So how does, how does this apply to Coopersville Reformed Church on a Labor Day weekend, 2023, right? I think I've given some examples that Jesus was definitely targeting at his audience that he was speaking to. But I believe that this is a scripture that, that is woven throughout all of scripture. When you look at the book of Romans, Paul talks about how the, how the Jews had rejected Christ in favor of their own self-righteousness. Later on in Galatians, that church wanted to go back to the law. The book of Hebrews was written against people wanting to turn back to the law. Remember, this whole idea of going back to works, to our own abilities, it's ingrained within us, within our own sinful nature. That's like our operating system. And even, in, even to a church in Ephesus, a bunch of believers, there's a letter that Christ wrote in, the, in Revelation to that church because their works had gotten to be a little bit big. So let's think about this. How do we rely on our works? For I think for most of us, we've already put our faith in Christ. 
How do we rely on our works? Well, let me tell you this. If you haven't, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, it's very tempting to do the right thing, to, be, to, to go along the right path, right? I've got to know this and I've got to know that. Those speak of our works. It's very tempting for me to say, all you've got to do is believe. Almost like this is all you need to do. Right? But remember, Believing is more like giving up our works, our, our right to want to control things, and receiving and depending on the Lord. It's like getting rid of our works. So if you haven't ever done that, I encourage you to give it up. Just give it up. But what about those of us that, that are Christians? Let me give you some examples. I'll start, I'll start with an easy one. I'll start with me. You can look at me first. Um, today, I get to give John a break, and I get to do some preaching, right? But it, it requires some work to, to get sermon ready. And I get tempted to think, well, I got this. I've read this a whole bunch of times. I can just write it down and memorize it enough, and I'll be all set. And I'm depending a little bit less and less and less on the words that God has given me. I had to do a little bit of repenting this week. Or how about this, right? We've got both services here. What if, what if we've grown up in the church and we've known Christ as our Savior and we come to church and we put on our best clothes because we, we think that the Lord is worth it and we sing hymns that talk about what he has done because he has done it. And we even have liturgy that we recite in order to, to help cement those into our brains. All right? And then we do it again and again. And pretty soon we have to have those certain clothes on. Pretty soon it's important that we sing these songs and not other songs. And pretty much we're, we're starting to turn this into what we can do in our works rather than focusing on the bread of life, on Christ. Or how about this? Maybe, maybe we were at a service, and it just felt like the Holy Spirit was right there. And the music was great, and our hands are lifted up in prayer. And it's this wonderful experience. And then the next time we come back, and we want, to, uh, want to make sure that music is a little bit better, a little bit more moodful. Or we remember, I need to have my hands up this time, right? Don't you think it would be easy to get tempted maybe to rely on, on what we want, to make Jesus into the part that we want instead of the whole Jesus? You know, this weekend is fall kickoff, or this next week is fall kickoff as a, as a church, right? Where we get into our fall programs and we, we celebrate and we try to grow the church. What if, we, what if we got concerned about the number so much that we lose sight of, of what's important? What if, we, what if our, our efforts with, with the youth group, with the vineyard, with with whatever, you know, we say, well, we need to, 
we need to do more sports. We need to draw in more people this way, right? Instead of losing the focus. Isn't that kind of dipping into our works a little bit? Or what about this? We're all told to go out and to preach the gospel. Right? What an amazing thing that the Lord has given us to do. What if we omit parts of it to make it a little bit more appealing for people instead of giving the full gospel? Wouldn't that be a little bit of, of our own works? Well, like I said, there is, there is a church that got kind of big into their works that Jesus talks about, this church in Ephesus. And Jesus, he says to them, he says, I know your works. I know what you've been doing. He says, but, but I, want you, I want you to repent. I want you to return to your first love. Return to Jesus. And he says, you know, the victor, the victor, the one that does this, the one that repents, I will give you the right to eat of the tree of life. Not of the, the tree that leads to death, but the tree of life. You know, the Apostle John, in one of his letters, he says who the victor or who the conqueror is. It is the one who puts his faith in Jesus Christ. So today, my hope is not to beat you up and say that you're all, you're all in favor of works around here. But my hope is that the Holy Spirit, through his words, might be able to shine a little light into our hearts so that you might be able to say, Aha! I recognize that, Lord. Help me to stay focused on you instead of what I can do. Can we pray? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you know us. You know our works. You know how we like to work. You know how that temptation will creep, on us, creep up on us without even us knowing. Oh, Lord, I pray that your light will shine in the darkness of our hearts. Lord, I pray that anyone here who has never really put their trust in you or depended on you or eaten your son, Jesus Christ, his flesh, I pray that they would just give it up and depend on you. Thank you. And for us, Lord, that have depended on you, that do call you our Savior and our Lord. I pray, I pray that your Holy Spirit just speaks to us every now and then and, and tells us, tells us when we're when we're straying from you. Oh, how good it is to be in your presence, to be to be with you and not to rely on our own works. Oh, what freedom there is in that. We thank you for sending down your Son Jesus Christ that we may receive him in faith. And it's in his name that we pray this morning. Amen.